Well, hello. Good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. My name is Taryn Howell. I'm one of the pastors here at First City, and I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. Uh, Rick has asked me to speak today, and so I'm excited to, to be here with you with the message that I have to share. Uh, but a few things before I get into it. Uh, one is that uh, I, I pulled out my back this week, and I know you're probably thinking, like, Taryn, like you're in such like peak physical shape that I don't... Why is everybody, so you, you, you may be wondering why, that's okay, you can laugh, no, no, you laugh. Uh, but I, I, I bent down to pick up my daughter, and before I even, like, touched her, it was, uh, I bent down, and I, I don't know what happened, it was one of those things, so if you see me walking around, I look like I'm in pain, it's, it's because I'm in pain, that's, that's, I mean, there's a lot of pain, so, so uh, I even, one of our uh, guys on the worship team this morning, he didn't play this morning, but Vic, he, he saw me this morning, he's like, hey, how's it going, I was like, it's good, I, I told him about my back, and he said, and I was like, if you can just be praying for me. He said, I will, Taryn, don't worry. I got your back. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, I was like, Vic, thank you. Every, every time I see you, it's something like that. So and a, couple, a couple other things, some, some stuff that Savannah mentioned, I just want to reiterate to just kind of talk about the importance of, uh, we're going to do this lift off with love. And this, this is really a time we get to, we're partnering with the guardian ad litems. And so if you don't know what that is, it's kind of a weird term, but it's really an advocate for children. Uh, they represent children in need. E- even in the courtroom, they represent them. And so we're, we're partnering with them to help these kids who are aging out of foster care because even though the government, you know, like will help them with some housing and stuff. I don't know if you remember when you moved out. I remember when I went to college and I like, had my clothes and stuff. And I was like, I need a cup. Like I couldn't find a cup anywhere. I, was like, I, didn't, I, I, I had no idea what all the th- you know, all the little things that you need. And so th- we're just, we're finding ways just to help people. We, my wife and I, I got to foster a, a child. We, we're foster parents, and so we've been doing this for a while. But uh, one of the kids that we got, she was only like two weeks away from being 18. And so my wife posted on Facebook, and she said, it would be really great if people just sent like a prayer or a blessing and maybe a gift card to her. And we ended up getting 45 cards, and about 40 of them had gift cards in them. And she was just blown away by this. She, she really did not know what to say. It was like all these people were praying for her and like just loving on her that she didn't even know. And so it's just such a great way. It, all she knew was that like they love Jesus, so they love you, and they're, and they're going to do this for you. And so it, it's a great way to love on our community and to support uh, those in foster care and those who are in need. And so thank you for doing that. The other thing I just want you to be aware of that we didn't mention this morning is that tomorrow uh, our senior high students, our high school students, are leaving to go to MOVE which is a week-long camp. Ooh, I see some people, they're like, yeah, I'm going. Uh, so it, it's an awesome experience, but pray for safe travels for us. And also, this is a, this is a time of big impact for our students. We've had a lot of people uh, go and give their lives to Jesus while they're there. And some people have made a declaration like, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. And so there, there's a lot of uh, great things that potentially can happen out of this week. And so I just, anytime you think about it this week, just lift up our students in prayer and the adults also that are with the students. Be sure to really pray over them. Yeah, so, uh, but it's, it's going to be a great time, so please be praying with us. And so before I get into the message, though, let's go ahead and, and we'll, we'll start with a prayer and then I'll dig right in. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and thank you for the way that you love us, God. Um, everything we do, uh, the whole reason we're here is because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Uh, so, God, I ask that you use me this morning and speak through me. May my words fall short and your words ring true, um, God, so that people will, will leave changed and will leave growing or at least maybe starting a relationship with you. 
All glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this, this series, Running with the Giants, is an eight-week series we've been doing through the summer. And it, it's a great series because each week, even if you've missed all the other weeks, this, they're, they're each kind of stand alone. And so you, you don't have to really have, have heard all of them, but you should go back and listen to them. There are a lot of great stuff in here. But they're all based on this one verse, and it's Hebrews 12.1, which says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. And so in this, we, you get a picture that we're, we're, we're running this, this, these, this race in this life of faith. We're following Jesus. Uh, we're running this race, and, and it, there's some tough obstacles in the way, but we have this crowd of witnesses that is cheering us on and the people who have passed on before. And so what we're doing is we're really just saying, what would it look like for one of these people in the crowd to come out of the stands and come run a couple laps with us? What, what would they say to us? What would be their, uh, you know, their advice they would give to us based on their story? And so we've just picked out different characters of the Bible and are talking about them. And today we have one, I think maybe one of the most unexpected characters to be talking about. Uh, be, just because of, of who she was and who, what her past is. But today we're talking about Rahab. And um, Rahab's story is found in the book of Joshua. So you can open up to Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to read almost that whole chapter. But first I have to give you a little bit of context into the story so you know what's going on if, if you don't know. So I'll try to make it quick because history class is not my thing either. So we're, we're going to move through it quickly. But it, the Israelites were taken into slavery in Egypt. And God used Moses uh, to go and rescue those people out of Egypt. And so the Israelites then are out wandering in the wilderness. And God has not only freed them from Egypt, but is leading them to this land that he has promised them. And it's Canaan, the promised land. And so they get over to Canaan, and they're, and they're about to go in. But Moses says, well, wait a second. I want to I go and check out this land first. And so he picks, there's 12 tribes of Israel, so he picks a, a man from each tribe and as 12 spies to go into the land, see what it looks like, what, what's going on, scout it out, and come back and report. And if you know the story from the song, 10 were bad and 2 were, right? You, you remember the song? One person nodded. They, no, nobody else knows it. But now you know. You, well, I'll teach it to you later. You come ask me. But the, So they, the 12 spies go over. They come back, and 10 of them said, okay, the land is bountiful. Like, it's great, great land to own, a lot of good property over there. Uh, but there are giants over there. Like, I mean, literal giant, and, and we will be killed if we go over. We're going to lose. But then two guys, two of the spies that were there, Joshua and Caleb, said, well, the land is bountiful, and there are giants over there, but God told us he would give us this land, so we need to go into this land and take it. Well, the other spies that were there, and, and, and really they kind of rile up the people and get them so mad at Joshua and Caleb for doing what they were supposed to do that... Uh, they get them so mad, it gets to the point where they almost kill them. And God gets upset with this. Like, you're, you're killing the people that were, that were defending me and defending what, what was right. And so he tells Israel, you will wander the wilderness now for another 40 years. They had to wander. And even everybody in that older generation wasn't allowed to even step foot in the promised land. God's like, if you will, if you do, you'll be killed. And some of them tried to, and they went to war, and they were killed. And, 
And so now we're back. This, this is 40 years after that, and Joshua now is leading all of Israel and about to go into the promised land. And he does kind of the same thing that Moses did is he decides, I'm going to send over some spies, but this time he only sends two. I guess he was thinking like the committee thing was not working out. Like we got we to try this different. We're not making that mistake again. So he sends over two, and this is where we pick up on the story. This is the beginning of Joshua. It's chapter 2, and we're, we're going to read through quite a bit here. <clears throat> so Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, go out, uh, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, so here's what we know about Rahab is that uh, the Bible says she was a harlot or prostitute. Now, some people would argue and say, well, that, that means more like innkeeper. But even if that's the case, it's the innkeeper of a brothel. So it, it pers- this, she is not a person of what you consider of noble character. Right, And so you may think, well, why are the spies going into the, the prostitute's house? But well, just think about this. Have you Think of the last mystery movie, maybe like spy movie that you saw. When they go somewhere they're, and trying to collect information, they don't go to like the local church. Okay, they, they got to go to some shady places and they, they get information. And I think, I really think that's what they were doing. They were trying to get some information and also it probably wouldn't have looked as uh, strange for some foreigners coming in to go to this prostitute's house. And so they're there kind of scouting out the place and trying to go unseen, but they, they mess up at it. I get, they, they didn't do very well because they got seen, and you see they got noticed in, in verse 2. It says, But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, they were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. But actually, she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. So Rahab lies to the king, or the king's men at least, uh, because she believes something different. Now, the next couple of verses are, are some of my favorite verses in this whole story because you get to see that even though Rahab, and you have to remember, she is an outsider. She, she's not, she hasn't been traveling with God these 40 years that these, the rest of the Israelites have. She's only heard of the things of God, but watch how much faith she has in God and what he's going to do. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. And then this is my favorite line. This is such a good line. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. For the Lord your God is the supreme God. This is the true God. This is Yahweh. This is Lord of all. Now, she didn't grow up knowing about this. Her her pagan gods and 
She's, but she calls something out so big in them, and, and they believe her even to the point that later when they report back to Joshua, they steal her words even. A, a, a little bit later in the chapter, and, and they're like, yeah, we went back to Joshua, and everybody in Jericho is terrified. Their hearts are melting. I mean, she, she takes the same words that Rahab used. But she believes this so strongly, it's not just her words, that she really puts it into action because she knows that y'all are about to come in here and take over Jericho. And so there's something... <laughs> then she begins, to, she begins to bargain for herself and her family here. In verse 12, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sister, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. And the men answered her, Our lives for your lives. If you don't tell... Uh, what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now that's a verse you can kind of just skip over real quick if you're not paying attention, but I always just, I just find it convenient that she has this rope that's strong enough to hold these men and is the length to get down the wall. Maybe this has happened before once or twice. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I may be reading something into it. But, so she lets them down, and, and they, they get to, she tells them, so, so go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us. So they're, they're, they're picking up their portion of the deal here. Unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and your family into the house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in your house with you, their blood will be on our heads if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So Joshua sends out these two spies. They go into Jericho, go to Rahab, the prostitute's house. And the king finds out. He sends the men over. She lies, tells them they left, but they're hiding up on the roof. And then they make this bargain with each other that, hey, if I, I protected you from the king instead of telling him you were here. And so I want you to protect me whenever, because I know that your Lord can take over this place. So I want you to make sure you protect me. Really an incredible story. And, and we, don't, we don't really know a lot about Rahab from this. Probably the, only, the only two things that Rahab really brings to the table is we know she's a sinner, right? We get that. And then we know that she has an incredible amount of faith. I mean, just an incredible amount of faith on, on who God is, so much so that I'm willing to lie to the king about it. But... The big thing that we don't find out about Rahab, actually that Rahab never finds out about Rahab, uh, that, that is, is why she is really so important in so many ways, is that Rahab ends up being the great, 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 I don't, I don't know how many greats, a lot of greats, grandmother of Jesus. Which I just have to say, that's one of the, if, if you hear nothing else, that, that God put a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus is really just incredible, that God will use anybody at any time if they have faith in him, is, is incredible. And so I think, I think for Rahab, one of, the, one of her underlying messages that she would speak to us and she would give to us has to do with when you're feeling disappointed with your life. 
Now, we don't, it doesn't say exactly or specifically that Rahab was disappointed with her life. Uh, but we know this because she was a prostitute. No, no little girl dreams of growing up to be a prostitute. And whether there were circumstances that happened to her that because she made some mistakes or whether, you know, some mistakes happened on her, this is the life she is living. And she's, she's not content with this life. Obviously, nobody would be. And so she desires something different, and she's disappointed in her life. And I believe she would tell us that when you're disappointed with your life, you just let God write your story. You, you just give God the pen. Things aren't working out over here. I'm making a mess of my life. God, I need you to take over. I need, I need, I need you to just write my story for me. In Psalms 139, it, it, there's, uh, it's not in your notes, but you can write it down, a wonderful chapter, and it talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made and that God has written our days out before we even live them out. Even the, the very, in, in Hebrews, the, the, the verse that we started this, that's based on this whole series, that there's a great crowd of witnesses and we're, we're running this race with endurance. The very next verse gives us the answer on how to run with endurance. It says, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And so I think she would say to write your story because God has written a story for each one of us that he wants us to live out. And you may be thinking, well, Taryn, like, I, don't think he, I don't think he meant this part of my story. Because if you knew my story right now, some things are, some things are out of whack. And, uh, you know, I didn't plan out this part of it. And it looks a little weird. And I, I would say I, I agree with you. I, because if you're anything like me, you know, God may be writing out your story. But you, you've added a couple chapters in there. Maybe an appendix or something. Like you, you've added. You've gone in and written some of your own chapters that don't really belong in there. But the great news about Rahab is just like her, is that God will redeem those chapters even. That God can redeem if you let him write your story. And so I think this is just her underlying message. Let, just give God control of your life. Let him be the one to write your story. Now, I, th- I have a couple other things here that I think she would say to us before she goes back into the stands. I have four other real points that I... Th- now, there's probably a lot of points you can take away. These are my four that I... I really liked, I think would be words of encouragement from her. And the first one is that God loves you even in the middle of your sin. Oh, that's good news. God loves you even in the middle of your sin. Because when the spies find Rahab, she's not Rahab the the former prostitute even. God finds her right in the middle of her sin Romans 5, 8, one of very, very popular verse. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we're still in the middle of our sin and in our mess and our shame and all, everything. That's, that's when Christ goes, you know what? I'll die for them. Like That's when he intervenes for us. And I think this is... This is really easy to say, and I think we, if, if you know the Bible at all, you've, like, I can, I can hear that, and I know that's what the Bible says, but it's really hard to believe that for yourself. For some reason, it's harder to believe it for yourself than it is for other people. Like, you look at other people and say, I can see why God would forgive them and love them even in the middle of it, but for me, I don't know that he would do that. So let me just give you an example. I have, I have a lot of kids, and just a, yeah, just a lot of kids. I have, I have seven kids right now and then, you know, others at different times. But just the odds, the odds at my house at any given moment, somebody is misbehaving. That's just the way it works when you get this many people. Like, I bet you right now, 
there's one of my kids is like back there in children's ministry, like throwing a crayon or yelling at a teacher or something. I don't know. I mean, they're doing something. That, that's just that's, that's the way it works when you have this many. You just know somebody is doing something. And if you saw the interaction that I would have to have with them, you know, they go in. Let's say they yell at a teacher or something. I don't know. I was trying to pick something they haven't done recently, but that's, even that's pretty difficult. But so if you, you saw that happen and then you saw me go up to him, you would expect me to go up and like put my arm around them and I love you. It's okay. We, we, this is not how you act, but don't do that. You got to do this differently, but I forgive you. You, you know, I'm not going to hold it against them, right? But the, some of you that think that I, I should respond that way don't think that God will respond that way to us. You think that, well, God doesn't do that, though. God, he doesn't do it for me. And so you, you, but I'm not a better parent than God. This is why even in the middle of your mess, if you're a parent, you know this because you've seen your kid in the middle of a mess, and you're like, that's when you need me the most. And God does the same thing for us, that even in the middle of our sin, he's willing to intervene in an incredible way. And not just, not just intervene a little bit. I mean, look at the story of Rahab, what he, what he did for her and used her for. And I, I know that this is something that Rahab would speak to us. The other thing is that I believe she would say to put your faith into action. Put your faith into action. Give some feet to your faith. Be bold. Be bold. You know, whenever the spies were there and the, the king confronted her, whether it was the king or men the king had sent, which is probably more likely... Uh, confront her she lied to the king and i know it's easy for us to see this and say well yeah because then she was rescued and but she didn't know that she didn't know that she was going to be re- she didn't know what was going to happen but the in- incredible thing is her fear was not of the king it was of god she was like what my, i'm not i'm not worried about what the king of jericho is going to do i'm worried about what the supreme god of the heavens above and the earth below will do my my and so so she put feet to that she ended up lying to the king in order to save these spies because she knew that she was serving somebody much greater than the king, right? And so it, even in James, I love what it says here, and this is one of the, Rahab is actually mentioned in the New Testament three different times in, in Matthew, Hebrews, and James. And here in James, James chapter 2, it says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Like when you follow Jesus, there should be some action steps that follow that, that follow your faith. If your life looks exactly the same other than maybe I go to church a little bit more since after following Jesus than before, then I I mean, I I, I don't think that's really following Jesus. Following Jesus is going to look crazy to people at times. I think if, if, you know, the spies would have gone to some other people in the city, they, they would have just turned them in. And Rahab, Rahab did something incredibly bold because she really believed that God was the one who was supreme, that God is overall. And oftentimes in our lives, really our, our faith should look a little crazy. Like people should look at us and say, there is something different about that person. And I don't, I don't even know if I get it all. I kind of like it, and I, it's kind of weird, but, but it should look bold. It should look a little crazy, a little out there sometimes because we're not serving ourselves. We've made a decision that we're going to follow Jesus and serve him. And I think this is something Rahab would really push to us. Is that it's, not, it's not even worth it to try and serve yourself. Give yourself completely over 
Let, let, and let, let that show itself by how you love people, by how you, how you serve people and treat people. I think the next thing she would say is that God will redeem even the worst of stories. God will redeem even the worst of stories. So I said she was mentioned in the New Testament a couple of times. And actually in Matthew, you get, you know, Matthew's the first gospel story, well, in order anyways, in the Bible that we have. And then also in Luke, there's two genealogies of Christ. And in Matthew, it's a genealogy uh, from Abraham to Jesus. And in this genealogy, it's, I mean, it's really interesting. It, it, there's 42 grandfathers or fathers, of, grandfathers of Jesus listed. And there's four grandmothers. Doesn't seem very fair, right? Why are the women getting left out? But there's 42 grandfathers and four grandmothers of Jesus. And it's, it's really interesting, the four that are even put in here. We can read this together. It's in the notes, and you can follow along. Uh, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, Tamar has one of the darkest stories ever. Genesis 38, uh, it's one of those you read and you think, why is that in the Bible? Like, what, what is going on? It's, it's, it's really kind of a, you should go read it later. We're not going to do it in here. But go read it. It's, now everybody's writing that one down. Like, i got to check that out. Uh, but very dark story. And then moving on. Salmon or Salmon, I don't really, that's kind of a fishy name. I don't really know how to say it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Sa- uh, Salmon, we're going to go with that. That's not, it really sounds more fun. Okay, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So we're talking about Rahab the prostitute. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now remember, Ruth, like Rahab, was also a foreigner. Uh, she eventually was really accepted in whenever Boaz redeemed her. He's the kinsman redeemer. He can, she's got a whole book in the Bible about her uh, in her life. And then David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So these are the four. And Uriah's wife, it's even interesting she's listed as Uriah's wife. If you know this story, that is Bathsheba, who she really didn't do anything wrong. Uh, she was... Kind of in the, she was out bathing, and the king saw her bathing, and David, and uh, went and had an affair with her, and then ended up to cover up the affair, had Uriah, her husband, killed. And I mean, awful story, terrible, terrible story. And 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 this is, these are the four women that are in the genealogy of Jesus. And I think through what Matthew was trying to show is that, in the story of Tamar, is that God will forgive the darkest sin. And Rahab, that God will use you regardless of your past. Ruth, that God will not leave anyone out. And that Bathsheba, God can heal any situation. You see, there was something really powerful that Matthew was trying to teach us. And it makes sense because if you know the story of Matthew, you know, he was a tax collector. And tax collectors, much like today, are not really like the IRS. You know, it's very different, very different then. The tax collectors were people who were Jewish, but they worked for the Roman government, and they would betray people. They would, they'd have people killed, and they would steal and cheat and lie. And, and they were notorious. No, everybody despised tax collectors. And so I think Matthew put them in there to say, "Isn't it so great that there's people with with other dark stories?" that get to be in the lineage of Jesus because Jesus accepted Matthew where he was and writes them all into his story. This is because we serve a God that does redeem the darkest of stories. He loves to do this, actually. 
a lot of times we have we we will have this this thought, and I believe that Satan gives us this thought that well, God can't use me because of of this, and you just kind of fill in the blanks. Like this is this is my life, and God can't use me because I've done this or I've done this. And it, it's it's really the opposite. That God God will take those things that you've done if you've had a problem with alcohol, and He will use you to minister to somebody else that has that same problem. God loves to redeem your stories for His glory, for His own glory. I mean, look at, there's, there's so many examples in the Bible. Moses wasn't that great of a leader. He stuttered a lot, and he kind of denied God at first. Like, I don't know if I, I can really do all this, God. He, he doubted, and, and he ended up doing great things. And Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, killed Christians. I mean, it, it doesn't get much worse, right? And God used him for incredible things. And so our excuses that we have, I think, sometimes will stop us and Rahab would come in and say, don't let whatever you have going on in your past stop you from being used by God for your future. He's written something for you, and, and it's really just about giving it over to him. The last thing that I think she would say is that God will make a way for you to be in his story. God will make a way for you to be in his story. The last verse in Joshua that we read was Joshua 2.21. I just want to read it again. It says, so she sent them away. This is Rahab sending the spies away. And they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, if you know the rest of this story, uh, I mean, you should go and read it if you don't know it, or even if you do know it. But the Israelites then eventually came in, and they, they for six days, they didn't, they didn't just go into Jericho and start swinging swords and stuff. They, for six days, they walked around Jericho, and then on the seventh day, they walked around Jericho seven times. And then at the end, they blew the trumpets and yelled and... And the walls came tumbling down. There's a song about that, too. I won't sing that. But uh, it, it, it's, it's incredible. And you have to, I'm mean, just think, though, that the people, the, the army of Israel that's walking around had, was told about Rahab and what she did and how she rescued these spies. And so as they're walking around Jericho, these, what, total of 13 times? I might have that wrong. 13, I believe, times over these seven days, they would have seen that cord hanging there every time they passed by. And they're like, okay, that's the place that's safe. That, th- those are allies with us. That, that place is covered. And see, God made a way for Rahab that didn't really, I mean, it's kind of weird. It doesn't make much sense how God used her. And God will make a way for you too. That cord that she hung out, though, has, has some, some meaning to it, though, even. It kind of reminds me of... When the Israelites left Egypt, remember the, the, the death angel passed over and you know because they put the blood of the lamb on the door. But then it also has, has this uh, uh, meaning towards the future of when Jesus would ultimately cover us all. When he would pay this price and just say, you know what, they belong to me. See, God really has made a way for us all to be a part of his story, and it's through what Jesus has already done on the cross. That's the good news is that we don't have to pay for our own sin and shame. It's by following Jesus and accepting Jesus, letting Jesus write our story, giving our lives to him, that we are invited into God's story. And so really the, the, the opportunity is for us to just say yes. Like just, just, just say yes to Jesus. I know for, for some of you, maybe you've, you've like have never come to church before, maybe this is your first time, and you haven't, Given, made that decision like, God, I want you to write my story. I've been, I've been making a mess of my story. 
And, and maybe you just today, for the first time, just need to give your life to God. Just surrender your life to him. Or maybe for others of you, you've given your life to God. Like you gave God the pen, and then you kind of like took the pen back for a little while. And you found some other areas and other chapters and, and stuff to write in to your story. And that's just, you just re- you repent and go back to God. We try to overcomplicate it sometimes. Just, God, forgive me. And, let's, and he moves on. And like, well, you, you all move on. Like, just give your life to God. Let him write your story. I think this is what Rahab would tell us. Any area of your life that is still like you're trying to write it, just hand it over to him.